Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! It's time once again for another episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, here's your host for today's episode. Hey, good morning, Buckhead. It's a good thing to see us out there this morning. I understand that we've upgraded the million-dollar view to the <laughs> billion-dollar view here. We're live over Linux. We're looking south. It is a Chamber of Commerce day here. There's just no doubt about it. This morning in the studio, we're glad we've got uh, Delray Wanamaker from the uh, First Look Equities, and also we're going a little bit about the, uh, the World Chamber of Commerce today, World Trade Center. And, yeah. and then also we've got Ralph Watson, and Ralph Watson brings a, a wealth of business knowledge. And boy, Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Some pretty cool experiences to us, which we're going to dive into a little earlier, but we're going to get started out and kind of break our show down into three pieces. But first of all, we want to thank the Buckhead Business Association for being a co-sponsor of this process and helping make it realities. Uh, may not, might not have Pro Business Channel without the Buckhead Business Association. Right, Rich? I concur. <laughs> uh, you know, we just came off a great event last week. Yeah. We, uh, we were down, where was that, the Stave Room? Yeah. Did, did right you get near. enough to eat? Oh, and drink and uh, photos. And it was an amazing event. Uh, well attended. One of the signature events for the BBA throughout the year. One of the good things about those events when you have two kinds of whiskey to compare, right? And they're <laughs> right, both yeah. free. And uh, did you get a tour of the brewery there? Woo. That was amazing, yeah. When can we take that still home? I know, right? <laughs> they might are, charge you. We got, they let you to take pictures, but I think they want to leave it there. Uh, yeah. they, want, they want to keep it for sure. But we'll, we'll take the samples with us. That was yeah. good enough. Uh, if you missed that event here in Buckhead last week, Thursday night, we were down at the stave room down off 
Well, I guess we're the, actually the age of Buckhead, right? Yeah, and that was yeah. the Taste of Buckhead 2016. We'll see you next year yeah, there. That's right. <laughs> we'll get ready to put it on your calendar. I don't know if we've got the date yet, but I'm sure it'll be a great experience. Well, let's roll right into uh, Delray. I know that the importance of uh, the marketplace today, I think you want to talk a little bit about crowdfunding, but you're doing some very special things with some uh, uh, education process. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this business, and then we'll go down some of those details because I think you've got a stack of information for us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I really got into this business um, being an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I started off working for some larger corporations, MCI. Everybody remembers when WorldCom bought them. Unfortunately, now it's uh, Verizon. Right. Um, and then I moved into really smaller companies that were really in the emerging growth space. They weren't startups. I, I jumped into companies that were just going public. Uh, it was right before the dot-com bust, and uh, really got involved with quite a few different startups, um, kind of ahead of their time. They were all out raising capital, all trying to make it work. And, uh, and I really got my experience from working with them. And, and when the, when the dot-com bust uh, occurred, I was working for an inter- a company that had just sold some products to Chick-fil-A. Of, strangely enough, here now that I'm in Atlanta, I met some of the engineers that implemented it, which was, was kind of fun. Uh, but from there, I really jumped into starting my own companies, and I sold my last company in 08 that I had just started, and, and you know, I had to raise capital for it. I had to go through this painful process that everybody's <laughs> going through, right? Everybody hears about this. It was no easier uh, back then, and so that really brought me into um, shifted gears and brought me into being an investor about eight years ago. And at that point, I, I started building networks and trying to streamline that process and focusing on how to leverage technology, how to leverage relationships, what's working, what's not. So I've g- had the great pleasure of working with some of the, the leaders, you know, top leaders of the, you know, really in the country who helped shape the Jobs Act, uh, you know, the testifying in front of Congress and that sort of thing. And so I've been able to, to glean some insight as to what's happening. And so, and so today I was hoping to, you know, we'll chat a little bit about that and what is it doing and what isn't it doing? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions there. I think we're, we're probably kind of refresh everybody's memory with the transition. You, you said something there I want to pick on a word that you used. Okay. You said, un, unfortunately, uh, MCI and WorldCom and all that <laughs> process occurred. I, I, I think the growth of business is fortunate in that we are able to merge and change and grow because if it stayed the same, it just would not be as much fun for folks like you, would it? Yeah, no, and, and I'll clarify that. I think there were some, I think that were some, some things that happened when that acquisition uh, you know, um, occurred. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was some fraud and some things that happened. So I say unfortunately only because of the times and some things that happened. But, uh, but Verizon picked it up, and, and we all, obviously, Verizon's a leader today, so you're and, right. And we're benefiting because we lost some of that corruption, and we had some very nice use of our judicial system while we went through it. Yeah, we learned some things. <laughs> the, the other thing I want to compliment you on is obviously you, you are a, a victim or a recipient or, and certainly a proud father of what we call table money in the industry. <laughs> you were able to take some money off the table and then reinvest it oh. and change the vocation of what we now look at as our funding process. So congratulations. Looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that. Now, as we go forward, you know, you're going to tell us some things that probably I hope people have their pencils out today, <laughs> and I hope they're getting some ideas, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So, you know, share with us a little bit about all these, these crazy terms, crowdfunding and crowdsourcing and all that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, crowdfunding, I think everybody thinks of Kickstarter. I think for the most part, when I talk to people who are not in the financial industry, they think, okay, Kickstarter is, is crowdfunding. And uh, essentially, it, it, it sort of is um, in that it's a it's it's not equity crowdfunding, which is what um, there's a term called the Jobs Act uh, yeah. that that really the government passed back in April fifth, two thousand twelve. Took them a while to figure out exactly when they were going to implement that, but that changed some pretty significant things in in what it meant for you as an entrepreneur or a company to raise capital, and it and it changed some things about really who could invest in in products. 
Um, you know, prior to, so so let me let me give you some some chunks here. Um, there's equity crowdfunding, and then there's there's really uh, products that are given out. So there's a, like there's donations, things like that that you can crowdfund. Um, there's a big difference between them. And today we're going to talk really about what the law, the Jobs Act, and what equity crowdfunding is, because that's a significant shift for investors today. Um, you know, one of the big things that changed is it allowed people to generally solicit. Companies before this could not tell people, unless they had a relationship with them, that they were raising capital. Uh, they had to use a broker-dealer investment banker to do that. Those are like <coughs> using attorneys to uh, draw simple wills, right? It, it begins to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, <clears throat> and it does get a lot more confusing. Now, has the crowdfunding uh, process actually made things simpler for investors, or has it really just kind of confused the marketplace, both investors and Needers. Um, you know, I think I think the companies are certainly uh, there's a perception that uh, that now that these things have passed, and there's a couple different levels of these. There's the what I call title, what they call Title Three, which is crowdfunding that's truly a portal, and you can raise up to a million dollars. Non-accredited accredited people, investors, can go in there and invest. Uh, those are big shifts. Um, they can raise up to only a million dollars, so there's a cap there. That's really that that was designed for true startups. Those are the angel, you know, what angel rounds would look like. Angel investors would be looking at these companies' ideas, if you will, right, to try and help them get started. That that's one type. Um, what I think people think that they can just go out and just put their information out there and raise the capital, and that's been, you know, that's just not happening. Well, it, it requires active involvement. <clears throat> and you've got to get smarter while you do it. I mean. The, the second rabbit's not as easy to shoot as the first one because <laughs> well, the, the rabbits get smarter. And, and the competition's out there. You know, I think the, the competition, there's so many. You know, there's, there's an overload now, of, I think, of information going out. And there's only – the companies that are being successful are what you said. They're very, uh, they're very active. They've got a campaign or they've already got a following of um, current clients or, or uh, employees. Well, we've all got to test and measure. We've all got to grow up a little bit. But, you know, right now we've got more people – going into the marketplace trying to start a company is and yeah. how do you feel about that is that a good thing or is that Great uh, thing. we need more we, <laughs> we need more why, why, why do we need more talk a little bit about that point of what you've seen in the market since uh, i guess you've been seriously at this for eight years since 08 yeah yeah you've yeah. seen a good evolution of uh, having everybody scared to even take another dollar out of their pocket invest it somewhere versus now we've got people as you say the angel funding is it's probably at the highest level it's ever been in the united states yeah, yeah, and, and Atlanta is really the most active place I've probably seen, or one of the more active in terms of the angel rounds. I think you've got a lot of a lot of groups that are really focused on that here. Um, so that's that's fortunate. Uh, I think people have have access to a lot of help here if you're at that that idea stage. Um, but overall, I think you know, I, I the the last three years I've been really engaged with the broker dealer community, which used to really drive a lot of that. Um, you know, because again, general solicitation. Uh, they had you almost had to use somebody, you know. So if you didn't, you know, af after friends and family, sure. it was tough. Um, so that that part's really slowed down. So there is a gap. There's a gap for that, you know, that that initial right after the friends and family round. It's it's really I I see it as being harder at this point, you know, still to raise that capital than it was when I was out raising capital. And I I and the, I think it's going to catch up now that the portals are out there. Well, the way the system works, there's <coughs> always going to be some gaps. Yeah. Well, Delray, let's let's take a little wrap here and take a little break and get us uh, back on kilter. We'll go over to Ralph for a minute and talk about some experience because I know he has experience working with companies in the, in the M&A area. So uh, we'll take a little break there out. We'll come back to you with Buckhead, uh, Buckhead's finest information and some of our best people here on Pro Business Channel. All right. Just a reminder, listeners, you're listening to the Buckhead Business Show being brought to you by, in part, the Buckhead Business Association. You can go to BuckheadBusiness.org. 
and uh, check out all the events and activities and uh, becoming a member. Rich Casson over here, producer, engineer, co-hosting alongside Michael Moore in our billion-dollar bucket uh, view. Yeah, that's right. Now, <laughs> Which, Rich, cause, cause we, we did the math, and there is no million-dollar building out there. They're all, they're all, they're <laughs> all more. So and plus, we, we added them all up. And uh, yeah. And as Sam, Sam Michelle says, you just buy a little bit of bucket, take good care of it, and they'll take good care of you. And these business owners, building owners, certainly have uh, exhibited that. So before we welcome our next guest, uh, Ralph Watson, to the show, um, as a past president of the BBA, what's your uh, best pitch for joining, becoming a member of the uh, BBA? Well, I was going to say, if I were if I were more prepared, I'd tell you exactly who the speaker <laughs> was going to be on Thursday morning. Maybe right. we can look that up during the next break. But uh, I tell you what, when I joined the BBA back uh, many years ago, the first thing I found out was that I was going to learn something on Thursday morning breakfasts because we had breakfast every Thursday. Now yep. we just do it three days a month. But we had speakers, we had information, and we had fellowships at uh, you really just can't duplicate even down at the White House, although that's the place we all gather for breakfast. Here right, at and it continues to this day. That's um, three Thursdays, and the, I think the third Thursday they do, we do it after hours. Uh, yep, we've, we found out that everybody doesn't like to get up as early right, as you, right, Rich, right. and be there at 7 o'clock. So <laughs> we, we, we take the third Thursday of the month off traditionally, which is why we did the uh, Taste of Buckhead business last week. Yep. And then we, we gather, but we gather at the City Club in Buckhead, looking at that view of the whole Buckhead area, all 360 degrees of it. So hopefully, and if, hope you will join us at 715. At yep. And if you're listening to all these gentlemen in the studio uh, beyond 35 years and, and older. <laughs> then, <laughs> and we have a younger group, too. too. But Rich, the you're young outside bucks. that group. We yeah. have a young bucks for the under 35. So it's a, great, it's a great opportunity to gather with folks of your own age. Well said. And persuasion. All right. All right. So, Ralph, you've, uh, you, you've actually been a member of the Buckhead Business Association years ago, even a board member. But you've uh, been stretching out your wings and your doing a little bit more consulting, a little bit more traveling again. So talk to us a little bit about what you've been up to and background. Well, I'm trying to uh, restrict the traveling at this point. but uh, You've got grandbabies, too. We understand. Yeah, nine of them, thank you. Uh, but uh, I had, early in my career, I was working with a uh, Dairyman Incorporated Flavor Rich uh, down in Louisiana, and they went through a consulting project, and part of it was to uh, give a survey to all the middle and upper level executives. And, of course, they told us now that, understand there's no wrong answers to this you just uh you just tell us you know what you think so uh somehow after everybody turned their surveys in they figured out how to grade it and fortunately i ended up in the top five percent of all the uh middle and upper level executives uh alexander proudfoot had ever uh surveyed and it it sort of put that seed if you planted that seed if you will to uh, one day i might want to want to give this a try so uh later on in my career i did and uh worked with international consulting firms and uh in the early part of 2014 i was doing international or coaching with uh, 10 businesses in europe uh i guess the difference sometimes people say what's the difference between coaching and consulting and uh, with consulting you know the the company ends up going in there and putting all the systems in place and and uh i I like to say they build a car and give you the the keys and show you where to put the gas uh in coaching you have to, to teach the business owner how to how to do that how on to his own. Car as well yeah, as how to build the car as well. How to build the car put it together. Uh, but uh, you know, back in the, uh, in the Gulf War days, I was watching those, I think along with everybody else, watching those precision-guided bombs go down those uh, smokestacks uh, smoke stacks and explode. And at the time, I was working with a strategic marketing uh, company, and it just sort of struck me that, you know, if we could deliver a marketing message that precisely with that amount of impact, that'd be pretty cool. So I, I formed a company called Precision Guided Group, and uh, today we're uh, our theme, if you will, is to be greater, faster. Uh, it's not about doing as much as it is being 
uh, business owner. We primarily work with this uh, small to mid cap uh, privately held companies. Uh, you know, you've got to have that integrity inside, uh, and it, it's not about being more; it's about being greater. Uh, and we we believe it, it's it's not good enough to be greater slower. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, yeah, I made the comment about traveling. You you you're doing traveling less, but talk about what a regular engagement might look like for that executive of that mid cap company that suddenly says, "Oh, I must have some problems here. I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do next." Well, you know, generally speaking, they're so deep in the in the swamp uh, that uh, with the alligators, they haven't thought uh, very far ahead and. Uh, I have I use riddles sometimes in my uh, in my presentation. I, I always like to ask a business owner if they know the best time to plant a pine tree. <laughs> now, being a country boy from Phoenix City, Alabama, Michael, you ought to know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Twenty years. Ago. Twenty years ago, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, and that's really second the, best time is when <laughs> today. Today. <laughs> And But what's happened is the best time to plan your exit strategy is the day you put the key in the door. And unfortunately, too many people wait until they're our age and say, okay, I'm, I think I'm ready to, to exit. And, of course, I'm sure you've seen some of that too, yeah. uh, Del Rey. But uh, there, there's two big components to that. And, and uh, I saw you wanted to talk about our purpose, and, and my purpose, frankly, is to – to take business owners beyond their limits, whatever those limits may be, if it's operational or whatever. Uh, and but the the exit strategy has to is two big components. The first one is an operational component where it's important uh, in order to get the best yeah. uh, value for your company when you when you're wanting yeah. to sell it. Uh, it's important to have the business uh, structured to the place where it can uh, operate effectively and efficiently without the daily oversight of the owner because, hello, <laughs> the owner's wanting to walk out the door. Uh, the other component of that is the, is the legal and taxation issue. Uh, I mean, even if you lock the, lock the door and walk away from a business, it is a taxable event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we don't believe in uh, trying to do everything ourselves or uh, reinvent the wheel. We found some people in, in companies who have already developed some pretty, pretty good wheels, uh, one is the uh, Business Wealth Preservation Group out of uh, Chicago, and this gentleman has a uh, uh, has a Master of Science in Taxation as well as a JD degree. Good so that, that you know, it allows him to kind of put put his feet in both of those arenas, uh, and he works on uh, entity structure and tax minimization, uh, the legal and and uh, taxation issues of, of the agent strategy. Uh, working with a uh, consulting firm out of uh, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, to do the oper- do the operational part. Uh, so it sounds like you pretty well put a recipe together to help people uh, cook a little faster, cook a little better, and wind up with a result that they may not have been planning for. There you go. Absolutely. So, when you walk, when you talk about a business, uh, you you said you got to plan your day before you open the door. Everybody's not always planning to sell their business. Certainly, everybody doesn't know how to grow their business. How do you become the the baby shaker to let them understand what they need to do next? Well, uh, there's a seminal book out there, uh, the E Myth Revisited. I, w- I would recommend uh, everybody go get a copy of that if you're if you own a business. Uh, but and that's by that guy Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber, guy yeah. talked fast. I remember him from the from the eighties. Exactly. But uh, the. Uh, as I said, most of them are so deep into the technical side of the business, uh, the operational side, 
that they really don't have a chance to to look at the strategic plan, and that's that's kind of my especially strong suit is is the strategic planning uh, of the company, and of course you need the you need your uh, purpose, vision, mission, core values, sure. but then you need the tactical plan, the one, three, five year, you know, short term, medium term, long range uh, goals and objectives, uh, and then you've got to have your financials set up. I, I, one thing I've come to learn. Michael is bit, and this may sound a little woo-woo, but businesses try to talk to their owners. A, bi- a, business would, a business will try to tell an owner somebody's stealing from him, or if his if his scraps getting too high, or if his marketing's not working, or you know. But the question is, do the business owner have the ears to hear what the business is saying? And most of them have uh, never really delved into the marketing. I mean, to the management side. No, they've got their head down, running the other way. Typically, yeah, you know, and it, it's. Uh, uh, I, I pick on like I got a lot of friends who are electricians, so I, I kind of pick on them a little bit. But you know, I, I charged individuals of all the of all the <laughs> yeah of all the electricians I know. I don't know the first one that went out of business because he did not know how to wire a house. He went out of business because he didn't know how to fund his business, Delray. You know how pay to pay his taxes on time. Uh, yeah, pay keep his, his truck maintained. Uh, yeah, you know, and and fire his brother-in-law. Well, yeah, we, we, you know, firing your so, brother-in-law and hiring your mother-in-law may not be a yeah, good idea. Yeah. Business. Well, you know, sometimes they don't ask us on the front end, and we have to come in and clean up the mess after they've already made it. That's right. But uh, well, let's, the, the key, to, you know, the key to it is. Uh, getting these, uh, and if I had to say in, in short words, and I know this is an intelligent market you're, you're broadcasting to, exactly what consultants do or should do is they put franchise systems in independent businesses. Yep, you know, if you go out and buy a franchise from McDonald's, you, you paid a two hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is, but you can and you get the hamburger. notebook and you get the software and you get the you know advertising campaign. When you go in business for yourself, you're pretty much out there on your own. You got it right. right. And and one of the real uh, uh, problems small business owners have, uh, or business owners, is uh, trying to do everything themselves. You got that right. Well, I heard you talk about the four inch binder and all the instructions and rules. And in a minute, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about what that planning process, what that update process, how you check, how you how you figure out if you're doing the right stuff. And we'll get both of you guys talking about that. So, Rich, we're going to take a break. We are, I always feel like a break. We're going to uh, run around the building here or grab some coffee. Or, uh, <laughs> nah, we're going to let these guys stretch a little bit. And uh, it, when Somebody says, are we doing the Howard Stern thing anymore? Are we doing this uh, whole bunch of interactive? Anybody going to come uh, naked through the studio soon? <laughs> <running or? laughs> that's, that's another show. That's another show. <laughs> yeah. no, you no, missed no. that one. That was last night's uh, show, yeah. So uh, once again, Rich Casson over here on behalf of the Pro Business Channel. You're listening to the Buckhead Business Show being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Just go to Buckhead Business. Dot org, And uh, as we mentioned earlier in the other break, um, uh, if you're in Buckhead, doing business in Buckhead, live, work, and play, this is a, kind of, the, I would say, the de facto chamber of commerce because it's not a city, but this is uh, since, what, 1950? 1951, the BBA started, but uh, the Buckhead community has been here since uh, 1831. <laughs> 1832, I think, the uh, crossroads he's, were formed. He's looking over at Ralph, whatever, yeah. So. <laughs> well, there's always a story about Buckhead. Now, if we had some of our true historians here, they could tell you exactly. But, you know, one thing I noticed that uh, uh, Buckhead has changed a lot. If you, It doesn't matter whether you've only been here a month. Well, maybe a month is too short a time. But if you've been here more than a month, 
or a year or 10 years, or if you haven't been here in 10 or 15 years, it's amazing what's going on in our community. So well, be a just, part. Just pick up a copy of the Buckhead Guidebook, right? That's right. It's, it's available, available at bookstores everywhere. If you know <laughs> Sam Massell or if you know me, i got one in the car I'll share with you today. <laughs> All right, so, so let's roll back in now. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to what Ralph talked about a little earlier. He talked about that, uh, that, that binder. And all the procedures and process. Now, Delray, you're helping fund new businesses. And I want to ask this question, a loaded question. Is a business plan and all those financial things that the bankers used to make us do to think about even getting a loan necessary anymore? Well, to get a loan, you, you definitely need to have your plan in place. I think it is necessary, absolutely. What's necessary, um, not necessarily, I think, for some of the crowdfunding, marketing is your biggest, I hate to say this, to get the initial funding now with crowdfunding. And uh, I think that's a real, you know, to to say what was working, I think we talked a lot about a lot of the issues last time, but um, if you, what's happened is it's shifted away from what the investment banker wanted and the banker and all of those, like you said, the financials, the business plans, all those things to, okay, well, we're going to put this up, we're going to do it with crowdfunding or Title III and, um, specifically, and they're going to really just need a good, really good marketing plan. And and uh, that comes from a business plan, mm-hmm. but it's but it's very high level. It's, it's very, very high. exciting. It's got to get people excited and that sort of thing. And that's the key to their success on a crowdfunding type of a program. Well, I think it all goes back to results. If people can see what you're doing, yep. and, you know, it's one of our great venture, uh, not venture, one of our great successful entrepreneurs right here in Atlanta said, you know, if you don't have a certain level of recurring revenue happening every month, it doesn't matter how good your business model is because you don't have customers. Right. Uh, one of the who was one of the leadership people many years ago said, "You're only a leader when you look back and people are following you." Yeah. And the same thing with business. You're only in business if you have customers. You can plan and plan and plan and plan. But as Ralph said, when you put that key in the door and launch, yeah. you better have a plan for what happens the next day. Otherwise, you'll be like the people with flying biscuits. If yeah. you only made two hundred biscuits a day, you sell them all out by nine o'clock. You're out of business that day. You close the doors. Hopefully, you've created enough excitement so that people are standing at your door in the morning waiting to see, can I get one of those biscuits tomorrow? Yeah, sustainability. I mean, you're talking about consulting with, with right. companies, thinking through what are the next steps. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I also worked as a director for an investment banking firm, which kind of is the higher higher end, you know, past the crowdfunding. Yeah. And one thing that, uh, that, that I come to realize is that uh, investors, I mean, professional investors, bet on the jockey, not necessarily the horse. Yep. So you can have the greatest product ever, but, and, and I, know, I know you watch the shark tank and yep. I, I can sit there and almost tell you as soon as he says what is, what he's looking for, whether he's going to get it or not. Right. Uh, but a lot of times uh, Mr. Wonderful will say, uh, well, I want a hundred percent of your company. I want you out of it. And, <laughs> right. and he's, right. he's identified a jockey that doesn't know how to, how to ride the horse he's created. He just fell off. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, and you know, in the, when you get in those upper levels, uh, Michael, I think it's still important that the, uh, you have that, um, well, you say a four inch binder, but you, you know, it, it's really a third party, uh, verified, uh, documentation because a lot of these business owners go out there and buy them a copy of, you know, some kind of business plan software and they, they plug in all right. these numbers and, or, and the or kid, they hire somebody and, who did it in yeah. their company and they never read it either, which is one right. of the things as Delray said, when you talk about a, a person taking a, a company to market in order to help have someone come alongside, raise the money and invest it in, in your horse and your jockey to believe that you can win the race, you make, yeah. better make sure you're in the right race. So, Talk a little bit about how people are using these platforms. Talk a little bit about some experiences and some successes that you've seen in your groups. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's another group of uh, when you talk about crowdfunding. There's you know there's Reg A plus. We didn't talk about those are the larger 
you know, pre-IPO, I guess, crowdfunding type opportunities. Um, you know, Elio Motors was the first one. They, you know, everybody probably knows about them. They were in the news this week. <clears throat> they brought their car out, their prototype to New York. Everybody was really excited about it. 80 miles to the gallon. Um, Elio Motors, you know, they were successful um, largely because of the marketing campaign. Um, it, you know, they spent you know a quarter million dollars, you know, to do it. Uh, they did have a base they were marketing to, and so you know, again, and it's a product people really are excited about. It was a marketing campaign that really got them the capital that they wanted. Now they have the task of actually building the company and actually operating it, right? So you've got to have both, I think, on the bigger deals. Um, we had uh, Legion M as a company under Title III. I think it's the first one I've heard of that they, I'm sure there are more, but we interviewed them before they, two days before they launched on Title III, which is the up to a million dollars, truly using a crowdfunding portal. And they were brilliant in their marketing. They are, you know, they're a firm that went out and said, look, we want, we're going to build films. We're going to do great films. Um, and we want our, you know, the folks that are going to watch them to participate and be owners in our company. And so they went out with movies and, you know, they, they did exactly what they do. It's marketing. Right. And they went out to these shows and they raised their money. And that'll be step one. And then their, their plan is to build a good business model, which is step two, obviously, mm -hmm. of their plan. And then three would be go to Reg A and raise another 30 or 40 million so mm -hmm. that they can have some sustainability. So I think there are some strategies that are getting put in place that uh, are very significant, um, but very different from what people are traditionally used to. Well, it's, um, not, it's not like starting your neighborhood blank operation. You know, if you've got people building cars, you've got uh, folks uh, <coughs> looking at new opportunities that don't exist. I mean, mm -hmm. remember that. Many of the companies that are going to be around five and ten years from now are going to be the brainchild of, of things that are needed in the marketplace every day. I'm sure you've seen some very interesting new projects other than cars, uh, and I'm sure that you'll be, you'll be working with. Ralph, you're going to probably yeah. see some pretty new projects coming down the road because as people realize they didn't figure it all out in advance. I do want to spend back just a minute and talk about teams. Uh, one of the things I think, Ralph, you outlined is uh, people need to get the right resources and keep the right resources in play and not let them get dusty and sit on the shelf. So take a minute and shoot, shoot about that area for a second. Well, it's, uh, you know, as I was saying, the one, three, five year, you know, you got to keep the, too many times they'll go invest a lot of money, put a business plan together, it gets put on the shelf, and that's the end of it. Uh, and one of the, another one of the big issues with small business owners or, or uh, privately held companies is there's really nobody to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's easy for them to, you know, make a commitment. I'm going to lock myself into jail, you know, I'm going to, you know, but they've still got the key to the sale <laughs> and they can let themselves out. Uh, and the other, the, the, if I could also make another uh, quick oversight, uh, a lot of business owners think, well, if I can get incorporated, I'm bulletproof. But mm -hmm. they, if, then they never have a board meeting. They don't keep their corporate minutes up. Mm -hmm. They co-mingling fund, <laughs> funds. And these are all things that could, could uh, a sharp lawyer would pierce the corporate veil and get after their personal assets. Could so, drag them down a very, very, yeah, very, very so deep it, hole. Yes. Right. So it, it's, uh, it's important. And, and for example, uh, in entity structuring, uh, you know that the, uh, every ride out at Six Flags is a separate corporation. <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah. structured so that if you – if you get hurt on one ride, here's the keys to it, but you're not getting the rest of the park. What a, yeah, what a, we had that happen with the – I saw the, the uh, video the other day of, the, of, the, of the, the, the parents were actually holding up the ride that was falling down to hit the park. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so they could get the kids off. So, Delray, we've got about a, a few more minutes here to wrap up with. I know you've, you're, you're in the marketplace here in Atlanta. You've located in our city. You're helping people out. As you said, Atlanta seems to be a, 
uh, focal point for the southeast, and we're very blessed with that. Uh, all roads lead to Atlanta, or at least from it. <laughs> so we, we've got more people coming in to learn and educate. You're doing a great job of doing that. So we look forward to having you back to the show. But any closing thoughts about what people can do to uh, to make Atlanta even better for this venture? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I think that just getting engaged. I think one of the things that, that that's really important um, in any business, um, with crowdfunding or without it, is relationships. I think one of the things that there's a common thread if you look at what was successful in all the crowdfunding plat, you know, type of products, as well as uh, the, the the real the companies that are maybe don't fit into that category. Because if you don't have a product or you don't have a base, about 85 percent of companies will not fit into a crowdfunding type situation. They're going to do traditional fundraising. Uh, with or without it, it really comes down to relationships. I think at the end of the day, you know, relations, there's trust somewhere in, in there. Trusting in the product, trusting in the crowdfunding. Real estate is, has been very successful, by the way, in crowdfunding because people mm-hmm. trust in real estate. I mean, they know it's there. So We have one here in town called Ground Floor, which is allowing people to be <coughs> investors in, proje- in projects yeah. and products. They would not have the technical expertise nor the knowledge yeah. nor the desire, and they would just be flat scared. Yeah. Now, so keep those relationships going. They're, they're crucial in a good business model. All right, so Ralph, you've got to wrap up to talk about what people need to look at, and I want you, you both to give your contact info one more time. Okay. Or maybe well, the first time. Well, maybe the first yeah, time. Maybe. Uh, yeah, our, our website is BeGreaterFaster.com, and my uh, uh, cell number is 404-520-1030. Um, web address is uh, rwatson at BeGreaterFaster.com. Very good. Um, and, of course, is in, in let me kind of – make a pitch here for the BBA since you, you mentioned the relationships. That's a great, great place to start. Uh, and the reason that uh, Buckhead does not have a, a chamber of commerce is because they're an unincorporated entity. <laughs> and so the, the BBA stepped in in 51 yep. to, uh, to fill that void. In and, our 65th year. There you go. And in large measure, due to your efforts, sir, and I can patch, and a lot of other patch you on the back a little bit. <laughs> me and a lot of other folk. I've been at it since 1999. So. Yeah. Wow. Delray, we look forward to having you down with Visit. Give them your contact, Enzo, as we wrap up here. You bet. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, firstlookequities.com. You can find out more about our organization and um, how we uh, find and connect uh, investment opportunities with uh, funding sources and resources. Phone number is 832-922-1199. Great. So reach out and grab him, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week right here at the uh, – Pro Business Channel with a show about the, the Buckhead Business Show. Thank you for joining us and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association.